Good to see everybody. Come on in. Let's get a seat. Great to see everyone on this warm night. I'm telling you, we've not had a winter, have we? I'm not complaining. Trust me, that's not a complaint. So as we kick off tonight, we're going we're gonna to pick right up in the middle of chapter 8, right where we left off before the holidays. I'm going to invite Don Stefanoff to come up, or Stefanoff. I, you know, I asked your daughter, and your daughter doesn't even know how to pronounce her last name. Come on up, Don. So uh, I did ask Crystal, and she said, I can do it either way. I'm like, well, how do you do it? She goes, I do it both ways. I'm like, okay, all right. That's all right. So, Don, let's just kick us off in prayer. Anything you want to share? Good evening, everybody. How's everybody? Good. Yeah, God is good. This is going to be a great night. We're all, we're excited for it. So let's just kick it off in prayer and get this thing blessed. Father, we are so grateful to come together as a body, uh, the church, in one accord, just with you in the middle. Father, we release everyone and everything yeah. right now. Yeah. We clear our minds and we just say, Jesus, would you open our eyes and our hearts? There's, uh, every yeah. one of us has something and we need something from you. So God, we clear our minds, clear our heads, and say, would you do work, Holy Spirit, that needs to be done in each one of us? Father, as we uh, listen and uh, give it all to you, we just say we receive and we ask that that word just gets planted in our hearts and that seed that gets planted tonight, I'm asking for growth and abundance. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, amen and amen. So let's take a couple of moments. Don, why don't you run around with the microphone? Can you help us out there? So, uh, you're not done yet, so why don't we take some everyday uh, miracle EDMs? I mean, it's been a few weeks since we've been together like this, and who knows what's happened over your holidays. So, um, how about an EDM, an everyday miracle, just a short, brief testimony? We always say whether it's a millimeter or a mile. It's not a, we're not looking for epic, we're looking for just what, just where God showed up in your everyday life. Wonderful. And Wanda, thank you for the coffee mug that has my word for the year on it. Thank you. That was very sweet. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. I used I, it this morning. It worked. It <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. Um, I, I told you all about my uh, son-in-law who was attacked by a, a big buck. Well, he is completely healed. Wow, fantastic. Yes, he is completely healed. He's wow. been back at work for a couple of weeks already. And he's going deer hunting again this weekend. He's just jumping back up on the horse. That's what you do when you That's get thrown right, off. You know, so. And, of course, I'm upset about that, but he doesn't ask me, so whatever. <laughs> well, we're glad he's okay. Praise the Lord for that. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Someone else? Don, not all at once. <laughs> it actually didn't have, um, I guess it was... I guess it can come through somebody else, but one of my patients today um, just shared with me he was diagnosed with uh, leukemia and has been going through that battle and struggle and then also has a daughter who's facing addiction and struggling with that, and they've taken in his uh, five-year-old granddaughter. And so we just started talking, and instead of focusing on the negative, I, I you know, just briefly said, well, I'm going to pray for you and your family. And he 
just replied and was like, I really appreciate that. He's like, and then we started getting into a conversation about how important prayer is in lifting him up and how it's been affected to really through his healing process. And he's starting chemo again um, Monday. And we just really kind of shared our faith in how important prayer is in our lives. So it would, that's, a pretty big EDM That's beautiful. to me today. Beautiful, it made Brittany. me in a better mood, for sure. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks for leaking out. That's what you're doing. Show up and leak out. It's great. Anybody else? We call this EDM, Everyday Miracle. Just what's going on in your normal day. Anything else? Oh, here we go. You almost missed that one. Oh, I'm shy, so I didn't know if I wanted to raise my hand. <laughs> I have a 40-year-old daughter that at age 30 had a double mastectomy, and mm. uh, five years later she was diagnosed with fourth-stage fourth cancer. It was all over her body and her lungs and several, uh, several more areas, and um, she went through all the chemo again and, and fought it off, and she just uh, got her next uh, or her last... Uh, diagnosis and she is cancer free again. And wow. So we have a miracle. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's not just an EDM. More. That is Yeah, huge. that's pretty epic. We call that an epic day miracle. It's an EDM every day and epic. So that's epic. All right. My husband's been looking for a good truck for a while and we got him one and the lights were messed up. So he got under his truck and got everything working but the brake lights. So for two days, he's been trying to figure that out, and today he was able to get the brake lights working. <laughs> and <laughs> all of us who've had to do that, that we know that's an epic day miracle. <laughs> it's great. Thanks for sharing that. I'll rasp Pat about that. All right. Let's go ahead and turn the corner and get started. Don, thank you for doing that. We'll keep that hand. In fact, why don't you let David have that? He's going to close us in prayer tonight. And uh, Ron, it's good to see you this evening, your sweet family. you still got folks hanging around here for a day or two, I guess. And I know a lot of them. Say it again. <laughs> they didn't help you clean that carport out yet, have they? Okay, all right. That's, there's plenty of time for that. Uh, we're glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. For those of you who were able to be here for the memorial service, Celebration of Life for Ruth, it was just it was amazing. It was just beautiful. Just beautiful. And watching the body come together and friends of theirs. And then seeing people who used to go to church here and they've gone on to other churches come back. It was like a family reunion in a sense and got to hug some necks. And so it was a really sweet time. And again, just one more testimony to to Ruth's impact on all of our lives. So thrilled that you're here tonight. It's good to have all of y'all. So as we get started tonight, go ahead. We're going to pick up in chapter 8. And uh, our goal in this study has not been to finish. Our goal is to learn. Our goal is, I wish I had some algebra teachers that would have had that approach when I was in school. I don't know about you, but I mean, they were always just, I was always a little behind the curve in algebra. And I would say, isn't the goal to learn, <laughs> not to finish this book? And, and uh, now that I get to teach, I'm like, the goal is to learn, not to finish the book. So it's a little bit different here because we're on a lifelong journey, right? This is, in a sense, a never-ending class 
on purpose. And so as we're on our journey, we're growing. We're learning what it means to be free to love. We're using Bill Loveless. For those of you who don't know, Bill Loveless is a dear friend of ours. He and Paige have made this church their home, by the way. They live in Bernie, but they've made uh, our church their home base. We don't see them often because he speaks every weekend. He's all over. He's traveling all over the world, heading out to California tomorrow to do a series of meetings out there. But he has a ministry called Christ is Life. And uh, some of the curriculums that we've used in this Wednesday night equip class, uh, we've used some of these. And so the one that we're using, you don't have to have it. I've got everything on the screen, so you'll be okay if you don't have it. And the way we're doing this, we want this to be um, a slow-moving train that you can jump on. Even though it's moving, you can still jump on at any point. So it's not like, uh, it's not like the old merry-go-round that was spinning at a you know, 8,000 RPMs, and you try to jump on and, you know, got stitches after that. Am I the only one that happened to? But um, it's not that. This is a slow-moving train that anybody can jump on and ride and jump off. So it's not like you have to have been here to get anything out of this. And the whole point of this is, is we want to learn to be life leakers and love leakers. The kind of people that when we show up, something is in us that leaks out of us. There's a simple principle, I've said it for years, and uh, I, we leak out what we're full of. Is that not the truth? So when I hear somebody say something, they say, oh, I can't believe that came out of me. And I'm like, well, it was there. You know, it came out because it was there, and we leak out what's inside of us. That can be a good thing, it can be a bad thing. So the thing is, is we want to be full of Jesus so that whenever we show up in a given environment where we live, where we work, or where we play, we're leaking out Jesus. We're leaking out the life of Christ. And so when Bill told me last year that he was feeling very compelled to write a curriculum and do a study on love, I, uh, we started meeting at High Street Cafe over in Comfort once, uh, about once a month, sometimes twice, on Mondays for lunch and then to talk about this. And so, so even as we're going through this, we're one of the first groups to go through this today. This is a brand new curriculum. And so I'm giving him feedback as we go along. And so this is a first draft, not a final draft that you have. And so it's, it's great for us as a church to be able to help Bill build out this curriculum. It's going to help a lot of people. It's gonna, and, so, um, and it's being translated into many languages right now as well. So, uh, so thank you for helping us help Bill be the hands and feet, and we support Christ's life also as one of our mission, uh, one of our ministries that we're blessed to support. So anyway, so we're going to pick up, it's called Free to Love. There's the base verse right there. You see it, John 13, 34. Jesus speaking says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And we know the scripture, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And a second command is like unto the first. It's like unto it. And it's to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, at one time, and that would have just made perfect sense to me. But we live in a culture and in a world where a lot of people do not love themselves, at least in a right way. In fact, a lot of, there's a lot of self-loathing, self-hatred. And there's a, we're going to address some of that this weekend. By the way, we have five... Uh, professional counselors, LPC therapists, all godly, that are going to be on the platform Sunday in both services. We're going to do an interview format, so they'll be sitting on these stools up here. We'll have it on the screen so you can see it, but I'm basically going to interview them, and we're going to talk about mental health and hopefully uh, 
remove the stigma of that in our, not that we have it here, we're so open here, but, but a lot of churches, I mean, it's one of those things you just don't talk about. You stuff it, and you, or you tell people to get over it. And uh, listen, you can't tell someone who's suffering from mental illness to get over it. They're not going to just get over it. What they need is help. What they need are the hands and feet of Jesus that we extend to them in love. Amen? And so the rate of suicide is skyrocketing right now, especially in the younger generation, also in the military, unprecedented suicide rate right now in the military. And so we need to address that and be bold and call the elephant out that's in the room. Amen? And talk about these things. So this thing, this idea of self-loathing and comparison life, you know, you see somebody who's on Instagram, they've got the perfect looking life, and you're like, gosh, my life is terrible, and theirs doesn't, isn't even like that for real, but we've got, the, we live in a comparison culture. So, so this idea of loving your neighbors yourself, we've got to get healthy so that we can be what the title of this is, and that is free to love. That's the goal. We want to be free so that we can love well. And that's the call there. So listen to this. this uh, it's been a few weeks here together, so I want to remind you of this. Dallas Willard, I love Dallas Willard, he wrote this. Our aim under love is not to be loving to this or that person. So it's not to be loving, just do loving things, but to be a person possessed by love as an overall character of life. Love is not what you choose to do. It is who or what you choose to be. Did you get that and the difference there? It's not just doing loving things. Anybody can do loving things, but the idea is it's what you choose to be. We want to be love, not just be loving, although when you are love, you will be loving naturally. But if you're not love and you're faking it, then that'll only last so long. How many of you know you can only run on adrenaline for so long? You can only run on excitement for so long. At some point, you just get tired or it gets old, and then you default back to your normal patterns. But we want to become love. And look what it says. I love the way Dallas put this. It is not about coming to the unlovable and trying to love them. Rather, come to them as a loving person. So again, it goes back to we're not human doings. We are human what? Beings. Rather, come to them as a loving person. Even God doesn't just love. He is love. It is his identity. And so as we are followers of Jesus... And representatives, we represent Jesus, we represent God to the world. And if that's his identity, then it should be our identity, right? And we're created in the Imago Dei. That's the image of God. And so as we represent him, we show up as love in any given place, where we live, where we work, where we play. So chapter 8, the title of it is The Overflow of solical plaque. I need to define that because some of you haven't been with us. And then we'll talk about the source and how do we remove this solical plaque. We know what plaque is in the human body when it builds up, right? We know it's a bad thing. I mean, I, my family has uh, genetically high cholesterol. It's a big issue with my family. My mother died at 45 from a heart attack. My grandfather died in uh, around 70. And so we have enough of that in my family that it sort of gets your attention. So my mom died at 45. When I hit 46, I celebrated it because every day is bonus time. So I'm, I'm living on bonus time. I'm grateful for every day. Every day I wake up, I hit the lottery. And so, but I also am dealing with that issue because if I'm not careful, there will be a tendency because of my genetic makeup for plaque to build up. So I have to, I don't do sugars. 
I do very little tiny amounts of bread from time to time, and when I do, I feel terrible. So I hardly do any bread. So I do things because I don't want plaque to build up in my physical body. But in the same way, we have spiritual plaque, and what we call that is solical plaque, soul. It's in the physical, it's in the natural, and, or in the spirituals. It's our being. And things that build up in us that are toxic to us spiritually. And when there's something that's toxic to you spiritually, it'll be toxic to you emotionally because it impacts everything. Remember, we're tripartite. We're three parts. We're body, we're mind, and we're spirit. And if you put those like the spokes on a wheel, Jesus in the center of that, any one of those that's out of balance throws the whole wheel out of balance. Does that make sense? Anyone that's off throws everything out. That's why when you're when you're having a, uh, an amazing season of your life, you feel good physically, uh, then you're feeling good emotionally, and your spirit's doing great. But when your body tanks, I had a dear friend who had been an athlete his entire life. He was a coach for many years, retired as a coach, and he had always been in the gym, always looked amazing, took care of himself, and then his back went out. And when his back went out, it went out bad. Then he had a surgery on his back, and the surgery did not go well. And instead of healing him, and we thought he's going to be restored, he's going to be as good as ever, because you always, oh yeah, I'm better than I was before surgery. He came out worse, and I watched that man tank emotionally. He went into a depression, he became angry and bitter, and all that pent-up frustration. This is a man who lived his whole life being physically able, and then suddenly he was like a racehorse stuck on a pony ride, and he couldn't hardly function. And it, it took him out. It was bad. And I watched him deteriorate over a number, about two years, uh, to the point where you know, we eventually parted ways. And it was a heartbreaker to watch that happen. Well, his body was out of whack. It pulled everything else. Solical plaque, in the spiritual sense, is that buildup of plaque in our life that gums up the works. And when that happens, we become toxic. And so we want to talk about how to get rid of that. How do we remove that? So listen to this. Just as one is treated for plaque in the physical arteries by the use of medications or drugs, so too does a person need to be treated to remove spiritual solical plaque. The question is, what will you use? I mean, how do we do that? So we're going to talk about that tonight. Here's option number one. We're picking up about the middle of chapter eight. Here's number one. You can depend on yourself with God's help. I have a question for you. How is that working for you? Am I the only human in the room that's ever run out to do something and then dawned on me I haven't even prayed about or asked God about it? So in hindsight, I say, hey, Lord, would you bless what I'm doing here? Am I the only human who's ever done that? It's like you already are down the road, and it's like, oh, Lord, would you bless that? Instead of what we should have done was stop and ask in the first place. But this idea of depending on yourself. Now, I was raised in West Texas. That's no secret around here. I say it every weekend. And it's amazing. The reason I keep saying it out loud on Sundays especially is because every Sunday we have visitors or guests from West Texas in this place. And nine times out of ten, we know the same people. It's, West Texas is not highly populated. It's just spread out over a big area. So more than likely, you know somebody. It's crazy. But growing up in a very independent culture, not interdependent, independent I mean, it's a pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, it's cowboy up, it's do the right thing, it's yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am, I mean, it's, it's all that. And the idea is self-reliance. 
And that's great when you're, you know, building fence or, you know, running cattle. But, but in life and when you're walking with Jesus, Jesus says, quit depending on yourself. It's not really working for you. I want you to depend on me. Well, and when you've been raised in that kind of culture where you've had to do it on your own, I was also an oldest child. I got oldest kid syndrome where I was the independent one. You know, always out, I'd break things and put them back together. I'd take them apart and put them back. I'd learn to fix things. I just learned to do a lot of things on my own. And I, w- I wasn't afraid to tear into a motor or tear into a bicycle or tear into whatever. And hopefully there wouldn't be parts left over when I put it back together. You know what I mean? But that was that kid. That was that independent, first child, strong, leader type. And so I become a, cry- a follower of Jesus at 19. It's like, wait. To follow Jesus means I need to become dependent on him, and all I've known is independence. And I'm not saying it happened overnight. It's been a process. And I still, from time to time, I have to fight it, like, because I'll be, I have a tendency to be self-reliant, to handle it on my own. I don't want to bother God with this one. That's not a big deal. I've got this. And we won't say that out loud, but we act like it. And so this depending on yourself with God's help. So here it is. That's one option. So relying on your own strength and abilities means it's up to you to do these things. Keep God's rules and commands. Boy, that's easy, isn't it? Just follow the Bible. Just do what the Bible says. No problem, right? Keep from sinning. Grit your teeth. Try harder. Pray more. Journal more. Read the Bible more. Listen to more sermons. Go to church more, serve more, give more. All that's going to guarantee you a happy life, right? Y'all do recognize that was sarcasm, I hope. Okay. Stop behaving badly. It's up to you. Just stop. Just quit. Right? Just quit sinning. Just, how hard is that? <laughs> it's really hard. Yeah, how's it working? Produce God's promises of victory, freedom, transformation. Yeah, on your own. Just be free, live free, act free. You're free, so be free. Okay, so you see the the ridiculousness of that. Have you ever tried to do these things yourself? Keep God's rules, commands, keep from sinning, stop behaving badly, produce God's promises. So we have to ask this question. What do you think the question is? We know this because we talk about this a lot. How's that working for you? And that really is the truth. How is that working for you? How's that going for you? Um, Matt Long has a radio program here in town, and he he texted me the other day, and he said, I had to give you credit on the radio program because I used your name a lot because I use something you say all the time. And, and I said, what was it? And he said, how's that working for you? He said, I used it over and over and over. He said, I totally stole it. I said, well, if you say it five times, you can just own it yourself. You don't have to give me credit anymore. It's, no, there's nothing new under the sun. So listen to this. How's that working for you? John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? So again, this comes back to independ- or dependence upon him. Not being self-reliant, but actually being Christ-reliant. So listen to this. If you've ever tried any of these things, would you agree this? You can't set yourself free. Have you ever tried fasting? You know, I mean, food I don't even like starts to sound good when I'm fasting. I'm just saying, stuff I would never even touch, just I don't care. I mean, so, and we have not, 
historically here done a fast together. If I would have prepared and thought more about it, we would have kicked one off in January. Next year, we'll probably do a fast together. And as a church, fast so that we can, it's just a way of just sort of pushing all the distractions aside so that you can focus on him and his presence. So don't worry, I'll give you a year to prepare. So we'll do some teaching up to that and lead out on it. So you can't set yourself free. You can't keep God's rules and commands. You just do it on your own. Hey, I'm going to... Sermon on the Mount, have you tried that lately? It's only three chapters of the Bible, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It can't be that hard, right? <laughs> you can't stop sinning. Have you, when's the last time you just said, I'm not going to do that anymore? And you find yourself doing it again. How about this one? You can't change your sinful behavior. Again, that's tied into that one. Here's the last one. You can't stop judging, taking offense, or self-protecting. Would you agree that you can't just stop this stuff? Sometimes you can will yourself into a good moment or two. It doesn't last. It doesn't have longevity to it. And that's what we want. But what we have to do is we have to change our source. Source means the one who is going to take all of God's Word and make it an experiential reality in your life. We did a study two years ago called Living Life from a New Source. And it was the idea of, this is no longer about me or dependent upon me. It's about Him, and now I'm going to depend on Him. That's living life from a new source. And so the mentality is, is realizing and recognizing, you know what? I can't will myself to live a victorious life. I can't just will myself. I, I'm not that strong. If you are, wow, kudos to you. I mean, you get five jelly beans and five stars on your board, but... But the truth is, we just don't have it to will it so. And the people that try hard to will it so are the people that become very mean, spirited, bitter, and religious, and judgmental. Because if you do it on your own, you're going to think everybody else ought to be able to do it too. And the truth is, we just become religious and bitter and judgmental when that happens. So the idea is living a life of surrender and saying, you know what? I am not my source. I can't do it on my own. It's not working out for me. And it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to say that and confess your need for help and confess your need that you need a Savior. The reason I stepped over the line as an 18, 19-year-old young man was because I, it was not working for me. No matter how hard I gritted my teeth and tried, it wasn't working. I realized I needed a Savior. I needed help. And I called upon Jesus. And he rushed in and put me on a track of growth. And we've been a long time into that track, and we're still on the journey together. And so I needed a Savior. But we want to see this become an experiential reality. We want to begin to experience a sense of victory, a sense of overcoming, a sense of, oh my gosh, I look up one day, and without even trying, I'm not prone to this anymore because that has, the more focused I am on Him, the less that appeals to me. And I'm telling you, that's the kind of thing that's sustainable. But the idea of gritting your teeth and just not doing it, well, how's that working out for us? So here's option number two. To have Christ as your source, to live the Christian life... Uh, I meant to live the life, the Christian life, in and through you. 
And that's based on Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. It says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That word in is the same word for through. It's the same word. Christ in you, Christ through you, the hope of glory. It's where we realize that, Jesus, you're going to have to do this because I'm incapable of it. So I'm going to yield myself to you. I'm going to posture myself before you to just be honest and say, you know what? I cannot on my own do this. I need Jesus. So Jesus, as I walk into this grocery store, as I walk into this meeting, as I walk out onto this field, as I step into this boardroom, as I, wherever your work, live, and play, as I step back into the house, Jesus, would you live your life through me? I yield myself to you because you're my source. And I'm telling you, it flips everything on its ear because now the pressure is off of you to perform. Now the only pressure on you is to rest, to rest in Him, to rest in His goodness, to trust His goodness, that He loves you and He's for you. If God is for us, who can be against us, right? Even ourselves. If God's for me, I can't even be against myself because I'm going to rest in Him and say, Lord, I can't do it, but you can do it through me. So now I release you to live your life through me. It's powerful. So we want to see Him be our source. So this is how we know that Jesus is the only source for living the Christian life. John 14, 6, Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you've been around here, you've heard this verse quoted a time or two. The way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, through Jesus. So this is how we know that Jesus is the only source for living the Christian life. He is the source of your life in Jesus. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. He is the source of your life. And we just need to confess it. We need to say it out loud. Jesus, you're the source of my life. This really is about you. I get to participate in this. I'm a joint heir. I'm a co-heir. I'm a co-laborer. I cooperate with him. Cooperate. I cooperate with him. But it's for his glory, not mine. And so we begin to rest into that and recognize He's the source of our life. So Jesus is the provider of what you need, and He is the producer of what He promises. That's a great line right there. I wish I could take credit for that. I'll quote it five times and start quoting it as my own. That's a good one. Jesus is the provider of what you need, and He's the producer of what He promises. It's not up to us to fulfill the promises of God, right? We sang about it, didn't we, years ago? Standing on the promises of God, right? Standing, standing, and we're standing on the promises of God. But it's not up to us to produce that, to produce the answer to that, to produce the fulfillment of that. It's up to Him. He's the source, not us. But He's the provider of what we need. He is the provider. Now, here's the thing. Wouldn't it be great if He was the provider on our timetable? Am I the only human standing here right now? Maybe I'm the only one standing, besides Jimmy back there. But bottom line is this, he will provide, but it will be on his timetable, not mine. The day that finally dawned on me after about 54 years of life, and I begin to realize, wait a minute, he's going to fulfill his promises, but he's going to do it in his timing, not mine, and I begin to back off and rest into some things. I met with uh, Pastor Michael Burdick. Some of y'all may know Pastor Michael at Victory Church, and we met for breakfast this morning. Two hours of just iron sharpening iron, enjoying each other's presence, getting to know each other, and we were talking about 
about the idea that, there, that God promises things, but there are things that we know that God has promised us. He said the same thing. I said, there are things I can go back that I have in writing in my journals or on, or on tapes that we converted into a digital format so I could have them. Things that I know are promises for my life that have yet to come to pass. And I'm excited about them because they're going to be amazing when it happens, but some of them haven't, but some have. And so he, he's 51, I'm 57, about to be 58 here at the end of this month. But in our years of ministry, you know, 30 for him, 37 for me, uh, there's been a lot of promises that have come our way but have yet to be fulfilled. Well, I'm not discouraged about that. I've learned to rest in that. He's the source. He's the provider, but he's also the producer. And so I don't have to go out and try to make things happen. I can actually rest in him. And when he's ready and the timing is right, and perhaps I'm ready, because he's crafting our character, amen? And he's a lot more concerned about our character than our comfort. Can I get an amen or an oh my? It's the truth. So a lot of things we go through, he's crafting our character so that we can contain what he wants to release into our lives. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe this hasn't come to pass because I'm not ready. So after we went through a terrible time in Dallas, and we left Dallas just defeated and broken and angry, upset, and we had 100 Christians around us saying, you have every right to be angry. You should sue them. I mean, you all been there, done that. Everybody wants to come in agreement with you for the wrong things. And for two years, uh, we didn't go back to the church where all that happened. But the day we stepped foot back in that church, I'm telling you, something lifted. Lifted off of our lives. And it was while I was working for Dave Ramsey up in Tennessee. We stepped back into a church where we were devastated. And it was like a family reunion, first of all. It was beautiful. And the pastor that had crushed us, and he was my boss. I was an executive pastor at a large church there. He grabbed me and literally wouldn't let me go. He hooked my arm and he said, please don't leave my side. Three services. We met with him between the services for him and he repented to us for what had happened. And you know what? It was beautiful and it was godly and it was reconciliation and what happened, we walked out of that place completely free. The loop had been closed. No unforgiveness, no bitterness, just free. And it wasn't six months later that the door opened up for us to come here to Fredericksburg. And for two years, I'd been looking, and there nothing had opened up until we stepped over the line and released this bitterness and begin to posture ourselves to rest in God's timing. I mean, I was having a blast working for Dave Ramsey. It was a great job. Loved it. Loved the people. Some of my best friends for life came out of that, that work environment, that place. But I knew I was supposed to, I'm called to the local church. Now I knew I needed to be back in, in the, doing what we're doing. And so two doors opened up, one in Austin and here in Fredericksburg. And I did what any self-respecting pastor would do to decide. I asked my 15-year-old daughter what she thought. <laughs> Fredericksburg or Austin? I just knew she was going to say Austin. And she said, Daddy, I prayed, and I feel like God's saying Fredericksburg. And so here we are four years later, right, having a ball and just reveling in what God's up to. He's the producer. We don't produce anything. Amen? Amen. Amen.
He produces fruit, but we simply bear it. Did you hear that? He is the one who produces the fruit of the Spirit. We bear the fruit of the Spirit. We don't produce it. We bear it. We hold it. We capture it. We have the privilege of containing it and releasing it. So here's a reminder from chapter 1. If you, that's going way back to where we started. Would you agree that what you need is all of the things in the list below? I'm going to read you some things here. Remember, you contain all of the following Christ-like characteristics. Before I read the list, listen to this scripture. For in Him, in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So everything God is, is in Jesus. You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So you want to know what God's like? Throw out the ogre sitting on a throne who's mad at everybody and look at Jesus and how he handled people. That's the Father. That's the heart of the Father in the Son. And listen to what he says. He says, and you are what, church? Complete. You're complete in Him. You, listen, if you have stepped over the line to go all in with Jesus, irregardless of your stage of growth, whether you've been a follower of Jesus 50 years or five months, you are complete in Jesus. You are whole because He makes you to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He makes you complete. Not your behavior, not what you produce, not your performance. Do you know God is not grading your performance? That is, a, that is a lie from the pit of hell that turns us into gerbils on a wheel or monkeys that are just trying to, to get something from our owner. That is not the heart of God at all. And so he says this, all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and in you are whole. That word means whole. The old King James in another passage uses the same word and says, be ye perfect as he is perfect. You talk about putting a lot of people in torment over the years because of a bad translation. That word perfect simply meant whole. It says, be ye whole. Be whole as He is whole. Be complete as He is complete. And then we read later here, we are complete. Not because of what we've done, but because of what He did. It's not because you're amazing, it's because He's amazing. And because He lives in you, and the Godhead dwells bodily in Him, if He lives in you, and the Godhead's in Him, and He's living in you, guess what that makes you? Complete. Whole. And use the Elizabethan English, perfect, but not like we define perfectionism. That means whole and complete. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that good news? That's shouting ground where I come from. I'm just saying. In my church in Abilene, I would have had Miss Angel Bradbury stand up and tell me I better preach. <laughs> she, she would shout me down. Now listen to this. Here's the list. This is the list. I'm going to back up. This is a list. The, all these things below, remember, you contain all these things, all these characteristics. Here it is. Unconditional love. Do you know you contain it? Why? Because you contain Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ through. Righteousness. Did you know that you're right? I actually, in the shower today, I have a lot of good prayer time in the shower. Annette says I take long showers. So I'm I, man, I love that environment. So I'm praying in there. And... Uh, and I'm thanking God this morning that he's made me to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know what that means? It means he's made me to stand upright. That means I do not have to cower in his presence. I worship in his presence. I open my arms and expose my, my life, my torso, everything I have. to say, Lord, just wide open. 
Oh, God, you're so amazing. Thank you for letting me stand upright in your presence. That's being made the righteousness. So it means the ability to stand upright. So that's yours. Forgiven and forgiving. Did you know you have the capacity to forgive anybody who's done anything, the most heinous thing, the most traumatic thing. And trust me, I worked in that field. I, I worked in the child care field for years with Buckner Children's Home and later with Hope for Tomorrow out of Brownwood. And, and I ran a foster care agency out of Midland, Odessa. And I have read thousands of case files of children who have been horrifically, horrifically abused and tortured. And I've sat with those children, and to this day, all these years later, I've got a lot of them that have found me in social media, and we've stayed connected through the years. But I'm telling you, they have the capacity to forgive even those most horrendous things that have happened to them. Because if they stepped over the line to go all in with Jesus, Jesus went all in with them. And now they are complete in Him. Here it is. We'll just, I'll go through the list. You're secure because of Christ in you. You struggle with insecurity? Listen, you need to get back to Christ and go, wait a minute. I don't have to be secure because I have him in me. He makes me secure. That's my identity in Christ. How about this one? Adequate. Do you know you're enough? I don't care who told you you weren't. And there's a lot of people who've heard those words. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be worthy enough. You'll never make it. You'll never survive. You'll never survive without me. How's that for a codependent statement? There's a lot of that out there, but listen, in Christ, you're adequate. You're sacrificial. You're generous, fearless, joyful. That's my word for the year, joy. Jesus, others, you. That's the order there. Worthy. You're worthy. Why? Because he made you worthy. Not because you act worthy. Not because you stand in a mirror and tell yourself, tell yourself you're worthy just through, through positive confession. No, you're worthy because he's made you worthy. You're accepted. Do you know God accepts you just like you are? Bumps, bruises, warts, bad days, good days. He accepts you as you are. The beauty is, is he won't leave you there. He loves you too much to leave you there. That's why I, just, I love just come as you are. Just come. Don't try to fix yourself up and then come to God, then present yourself to God. Just come as you are. Bring your stuff. And He'll meet you there. He'll meet you where you are, but He won't leave you there. You're Christ-confident. Not self-confidence, but Christ-confident. Christ in you, the hope. You're discerning. That's you. you have wisdom. You can see through things. You're thankful. You're compassionate. You're victorious. You're not a victim. You're a victor, amen? amen? And don't be a volunteer. A volunteer is a victim who's decided to stay that way. They have a victim mentality. They're a volunteer. They're unwilling. They're volunteering themselves to stay in that place of a victim. That's a volunteer. So there's victims, there's volunteers, but then there's victors, amen? In Christ, you've already won, right? He says, fight the good fight of faith. Well, there wouldn't be a, a good fight. It's a fight you win. So when you fight the good fight of faith, you're going to win. Amen? That may not always feel like you're winning. It may be a fourth quarter run, but you are going to win this thing. He's got you. Peaceful. In Christ, you have shalom. The Hebrew word for peace, the Greek equivalent is irene. And it literally means nothing missing, nothing broken, 
whole. Shalom. Isn't that a beautiful word? You have shalom in Christ. Humility, humble, patient. You always hear people say, don't pray for patience. <laughs> if you pray for patience, hey, you don't have to pray. God's gonna, God loves you so much, he's not going to let you be impatient. He's going he's to work with you. You ever wonder why things keep coming up? He loves you enough to keep letting you take that test over and over and over because he loves you. But you already have patience within you because the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of your self-reliance, not the fruit of you trying harder, not the fruit of you being better. It's the fruit of the Spirit working in you and through you. Humble, patient, free. Did you know you're free in Christ? Already. And you, you may be caught up in the worst addiction on the planet, but did you know in Jesus that you are free? Your spirit is free. Your body may be addicted, and let me tell you, there is freedom imminent for you. There is hope for you. I hope on Sunday we were able to bring that to the surface to let you know there's hope. And see that, you know, is it, is it spiritual? Is it psychological? And the answer is yes. Yes, there's hope and there's help. Wise. Did you know you're wise? Did you know you have the wisdom of God in you? Don't act like you don't. You're smart. You're brilliant. The one who created, who set the stars in place and created this planet lives in you. Is that crazy or what? The spirit of the one who hovered over the deep, over the void, in Genesis chapter 1, lives in you. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives mightily in you, the Scripture says. The same power, the same one. The greater one, the Bible calls, lives in you. Greater is he who lives in you than he who what? In the world. The greater one lives in you. That puts you in pretty tall cotton, amen? You're good. You're good. We said some people, well, but the heart's wicked. No, wait. The pre-born-again heart is wicked. But did you know when you got saved, you got a new heart? Have you read the Bible lately? You got a new heart when you were born again. It's not a heart of flesh. It's a heart of the Spirit. You were given a new heart, a new soul, a new core. You are not who you used to be. The devil will try to keep you stuck to that past because we don't want to get too you know, cocky. We don't want to get too proud, too arrogant. Don't want to get puffed up. And so we'll continue to act humble and put ourselves down instead of being who God has called us to be and walking in righteousness, walking not in pride, not in arrogance, but in agreement with the Word of God and what He says about us. There's nothing prideful about that agreement with the Word of God. Amen? Gracious. You are laced with grace. You're saved by grace through faith. And not even of yourself, it's the gift of God. Ephesians 2.8 tells us. So you're gracious. There's a graciousness about you. are generous, empathetic. All of these are Christ characteristics. And they all are in you. Now have they yet to be mined out, revealed, exposed, manifest? Maybe not. But they will. But they will. Lean into it. Expect it. Say, Lord, I thank you that I am compassionate. I thank you that I am, I thank you that you've, you've put empathy in me. I thank you, Lord, that according to your word, I'm peaceful. That your peace rests in me. Thank you that I'm free. 
Just declare, speak, be in agreement with God's Word about you. Christ-like characteristics are spiritual, supernatural characteristics that we fully contain as followers of Jesus. And I'm going to stop here because we've got to get this. That if you are a follower of Jesus, you contain everything Jesus is. Can you let that just simmer for a second? Christ in you. Everything Jesus is dwelling in you, that is who you are. It's a Christ confidence, not a self-confidence. And when that begins to drop, in fact, let me, let me pray for you right now. Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, would you be the spirit of truth? And would you lead us, every one of us in this room, and anyone listening online or the podcast, would you literally lead us and guide us into the truth that makes us free? I'm asking right now, right in this moment, that you would open our spiritual eyes, our spiritual ears, in our heart, that we would know in our knower the truth that makes us free. Would you reveal yourself to every person right now listening? Reveal yourself in this moment. Lord, that there would be a fresh, new understanding that you live in us. You dwell in us. You make your home in us. Your word tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that you live in us, you take up residence in us, you dwell in us. So Lord, thank you. And I just by faith acknowledge the truth of your word of who we are in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen? amen. So we can fully contain this. A couple more things and we'll land. We are not talking about a human-produced peace human-produced patience, human-produced love. We're talking about Christ-like characteristics that are spiritually and supernaturally produced in us the moment we were born again. When you stepped over the line, do you know that you got the full meal deal? You ever been through the, through the line at, at a fast food and they, they ask if you want a biggie size? You want to upgrade for 30 more cents? You get the extra-large 44-ounce master gulp. You know, I mean, you get the big everything. Bigger fries, bigger everything. And they always do that. They're upselling you. But here's what's awesome about being a follower of Jesus. Jesus doesn't release himself to you gradually. How would he do that? How would he, he would have to disintegrate himself to give you a little at a time. Then reintegrate himself in you. That doesn't even make sense. Jesus gives you everything that he is when you are born again. He comes to take up residence in you. And so that little eight-year-old kid who gives his life to Jesus down there in Bridge Kids, and then we baptize him over here on a Sunday morning, that little child has got the full meal deal. He doesn't have a junior Holy Spirit in him. He doesn't have a, a second-rate God, B-string Jesus, he has everything in him that Billy Graham had in him on the day he passed. The same power, the same strength, the same God, the same Jesus. Now, does that mean that eight-year-old kid's always going to act like that? Lord, no. <laughs> right? No. But through the years, as he learns, as he grows, and as he discovers who he already is, the truth of who he already is, 
And that's why I've tried to define spiritual awakening for us as being this. It's not just something that comes from the outside in. It's not just showing up and having revival meetings and calling it an awakening. It literally is us having our eyes opened to the truth that already is Christ in you and through you, the hope of glory. Already. When we wake up to the truth that already is, we'll stop seeking everything from the outside and realize, wow, I had him all along. He's been with me all along. Isn't that crazy? Have you ever been looking for your keys to your car and you're just like driving yourself mad and you're going everywhere and you're asking your spouse and they don't know and your kids don't know and you're thinking, did the dog eat them, take them out in the backyard and bury them and you're going nuts and then you actually hit your hand and realize, wait a minute, had them all along. You're driving yourself insane and is that not what most Christians look like on a daily basis? We live like we do not know that even a God exists. We have a crisis come along and we lose our ever-loving minds. And we forget, right here, had him all along. He's been there the whole time. He promises, I will never leave you or what? Forsake you. He's not going anywhere. This is not an Elvis has left the building moment. He will never leave you, never forsake you, never abandon you, never turn his back on you. He only turned his face one time away from one man, and that was Jesus on the cross. And it wasn't for long. And it was for a moment that changed the history of mankind. And it's the only time, and there will never have to be another sacrifice for your sins. So why do you keep throwing yourself on the altar? Because you had a bad day, or you had a bad moment, or you said something somebody pulled out in front of you on I-10, and you lost it. Why do we continue to re-crucify and think we have to do this over and over again if we would rest into the truth that already is? Can you imagine to have an entire church released in that truth? Oh my gosh. We would experience revival like we've always dreamed and believed it could be. And you know what? I'm holding out for it. I'm believing God for it. That's why we're beating this drum nonstop. So we're not talking about what you produce yourself. These are cross-out characteristics that are spiritually and supernaturally produced in us the moment we're born again. And we'll spend a lifetime peeling those layers back and exposing all of that, but that's part of the fun of the journey. We're learning constantly. As a result... Being a Christian, we contain all of these Christ-like characteristics. Christ as our source means that He will provide these things for us. Now listen to this, moment by moment, and will transform us to live from them. This is an ongoing thing. I'm going to end with this last, this last slide. This is an ongoing journey, and it is moment by moment. You know what's amazing? Is that Every moment of every day can be a brand new start in Christ. I have a bad moment. I have my mind goes nuts. I say something I shouldn't. I hurt somebody's feelings. I offend somebody. Did you know that in the next nanosecond, I can be free and clean before God? Lord, oh, Lord, oh, I let that go. God, I give everyone and everything to you. I give that to you. Free. You don't have to live in this 
constantly, I'm so bad, I have to beat myself up mentality. So if I beat myself up, then God won't have to punish me. If I beat myself up, my boss won't have to come punish me. If I beat myself up, my dead mother will not have to come back and punish me. Listen, that's a reality for some people. Still trying to live up to these standards. And oh, the freedom we have in Jesus. That's why I picked joy for my word this year, because I am so joyful of knowing the freedom that's ours. Gosh, how can you not be joyful? Amen? Amen. Even on a bad day, even on a bad month, even in a bad year, there's still joy to be found in the midst of it. Amen? Amen. So last one, we'll we'll go with this. I'm going to end with this. Christ will be the source to free you from the bondage created by your solical plaque and free you to love others with His love, His unconditional agape love. He's the source. When you're free, you're free to love. And that's where we're moving toward as we go through this time together, as we keep talking all around these different ideas, is that we want to be free so that we can love, so that when we show up, God shows out. We don't show out. He shows out through us. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's in the Sermon on the Mount. What do we do? We show up and we let him shine out. And the way we say it around here is you you just show up and leak. Leak life. Leak out the life that's in you. Where you live, where you work, where you play, wherever you are. Yes, at Walmart. Hallelujah. At at H-E-B, right? Hi, everybody. H-E-B. Wherever you are, show up and let his light shine. Wherever you are, right? Amen. As I close, I want to remind you about um, the God pause, the one-minute pause that we've been talking about. Has anyone tried that? Have any of y'all? Good for you. Are you finding some life in that? It's become a part of my prayer life and my ongoing conversation with God. There's hardly a day out and go, Jesus, I give everything and everyone to you. I give everything and everyone to you, God. Heal my union with you. Lord, release the river of life through me. I mean, I, that's just become a normal part of my prayer language and my prayer life. And so if you don't know what that is, it's uh, something that John Eldridge and his team at, at uh, Ransom Heart have developed. And it's just a simple approach to have a pause. When you're having a moment and you're having a day, just take a pause And just say, Lord, I release everyone and everything to you. It's like recalibrating the scale, rebooting your computer, rebooting your phone. You're just recalibrating. You're resetting. It's a reset. And I'm telling you, it's producing major fruit in my own life. If I have a moment or if I just need wisdom, I'm I'm trying to make a decision. And my mind spent, I say, Lord, I just give everything and everyone to you. And it's like, just a breath. So there is an app. Has anyone got the app? I love the app. Now, if you do the app, there's an app for it, and it's called, I've got it here, so I just want to remind you, because I think you, if you don't have it, I would encourage you to get it. But it's just, it just called, it's called pause when you pull it up. It's, you look at It's a one-minute pause. That's all it is. So if you're going to go on the app store, uh, Android or um, 
It's just a one-minute pause, and there's different ones you can do. There's one-minute, three-minute, five-minute, and then ten-minute. And if you've done the ten-minute, it actually stops in the middle after five minutes and branches off into three things for inner healing, for wisdom or not something that you need, or worship. And it branches off, and it'll lead you right into one of those three. But to get to the 10-minute, you have to do the one-minute. You have to build up to get there. And they did that on purpose. But I want to encourage you to get that and work on that. The one for inner healing is amazing. And you've got some stuff going on. You need some healing. You need some breakthrough. They did a fantastic job of just putting, putting that on an app. So it's crazy. Everything's on an app, right? There's an app for everything. So let's stand together, and we'll pray, and we'll be dismissed. Thanks for being here tonight. Hope you're encouraged. As we are free to love. Amen? Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we give everyone and everything to you, God. We release things. We release people. We release stuff. We release stress. We release pressure, anxiety, worry. All these things we release to you, Lord. And Lord, we release everyone to you. People that we're struggling with having difficulty with, or people that we're trying to control and trying to overthink their own lives for them. Lord, we release it to you. We give it to you. And Father, in Ezekiel 47, there was an amazing vision about a river of life. And the Bible says in Ezekiel 47, wherever the river goes, there was life that happened. Trees grew on the bank of that river. Fish, it was teeming with fish and living things. Father, we invoke the river of life in and through our lives. Would you release it to flow through us so that everywhere we go, we take this river, and wherever we go, life happens. I pray for my friends here and anyone that will be listening to this, Lord, that we would be life leakers, that the river of life would be so full in us, we'd be so full of you, so full of your life, that everywhere we go, life would happen. Life would leak out. And there would be something that is compelling enough about our life, not perfect, not having it all figured out, but compelling enough that people will ask questions. And Father, we'll do what witnesses do. We simply answer the questions. Would you open those doors for us? And Lord, bring people who are asking questions our way into our path. And give us the wisdom, insight, discernment to sense, hey, this is a God moment. God, you're doing something here. And may we step into, share our faith, and share the good news with everyone and that, that you bring into our path, that you bring in our life. So I pray for my friends. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen and amen. Have an amazing week. We'll see you Sunday.